0: If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask, go to masterleadership.org forward slash podcast. That's masterleadership.org forward slash podcast for more information. Today we're speaking with Trish Sayman. Trish is a successful entrepreneur who has founded two businesses, Go Beyond SEO and True North that help fellow entrepreneurs define who they are and stand out in the market. Trish also has a signature course, Get More Clients You Love, which is designed particularly for service-based entrepreneurs who have high-touch relationships, such as accountants, bookkeepers, marketers, branding experts, and public relations professionals. Trish gets excited when clients report back that they've successfully reframed client relationships that had gone sideways or had the confidence to part ways with ill-fitting and misbehaving clients. Trish believes that successfully scaling is its own reward. Welcome Trish Seyman. How are you? I am well. How are you doing up there in New York? I'm doing well. We've been at a stay-at-home for. Three weeks, and now you know my back went out. So if you see me grimace, it's because you know I moved a certain way. Yeah, Um, how are you doing? We're talking at a time when there's a global pandemic.
1: Right. I'm better than I was. I had plans to go to New York. As you know, Lily, I'm from there. And uh, I had plans to go to New York because my brother-in-law was turning 40. So we were going to have a 40th birthday party for him. And that got very unceremoniously postponed. And I was going to have dinner with my parents and both of my sisters and their families, but that all got postponed. Because as I mentioned, when we were talking earlier, that both of my parents got coronavirus. so. The real fear there was around my father because my father was a first responder at 9-11. So he was down at ground zero for several months with no mask. So for those who are familiar with the people who were the first responders, they had lots of illnesses that came about because they were down there and they were inhaling the remnants of Tower 2, I'm sorry to say. So his lung capacity was diminished by 45%. So the fact that he got coronavirus and then the idea that I might lose my business on top of it, was just a little bit too much to bear. So I was pretty flat for a few days, didn't really have the capacity emotionally to function and really couldn't even see my way through what the next stage was going to look like. That said, I'm very happy to report that my dad was confirmed on March 18th. So the two weeks have since passed. He had no respiratory issues whatsoever. Oh, he did have a fever and he was achy and the joint problem. So he was down for several days, but he was never hospitalized. No respiration issues whatsoever. And my mom, who essentially got it right after he did—I mean, they lived together—and I don't know if this is accurate. This is just what's been floated right now. Her blood type is type O, so they believe that there's some correlation with that blood type and uh, fewer symptoms or at least more minor symptoms. Wow! So she wasn't feeling well, but she wasn't as bad as my dad, and mm-hmm. my dad wasn't as bad as some others. So. There's that. And then my younger sister works at Winthrop, though she's a trauma x-ray technician. She works in the trauma center in the ER. That's not at all what her job looks like right now. She's part of the labor pool. So maybe it's, you know, part triage, uh, stuff that she's just kind of filling in the blanks. So the beginning part of this for us, when really when everything kind of went bananas, it was very hard to figure out what to do with the team what to do about my family, what to do about any of it, how to reach out to my clients, how to support them. The initial shock of it, you know, we did lose a couple of clients. Once that started to calm down a little bit and I got my head cleared, it made it a little bit easier to kind of sort through. I'll admit I was surprised by my reaction, but I think it was because it all kind of happened all at once. I needed a few days to kind of catch my breath, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. so I think we all needed that and I appreciate you sharing that because that's a lot right and it then to be a doer right you want to help you want to go out you want to do something yes um, and then be confined that that's the best place to be um, yes
1: it's I'm awesome. also a hugger so I feel like I'm hug <laughs> I, def- I have a hug deficit right now <laughs> so I'm like hug my poor kids I'm like all over them like come <laughs> here and hug me and they're like mom you know it's very funny
0: yeah how old are your kids
1: so my oldest is 14 and my youngest, he'll be 11 in June. So okay. 10 and a ish 10 and three quarters.
0: I get it. I'm hugging my 17-year-old and my dog. I'm a Velcro mom now. Yes. <laughs> so tell us a bit about your leadership journey and what kind of organization do you run?
1: So I have two companies. First one is Go Beyond SEO, and we are a boutique digital marketing agency. So this crisis is impacting our business because it's impacting our clients more than it's impacting us necessarily directly. Our business is online. We can connect with people through Zoom calls. That's not a problem. But a lot of our clients are advertising to bring people into their places of business. And that's been a bit of an issue for them. So our primary goal was to talk to the team, make sure they could all function from home, which most of our company is virtual anyway. So that wasn't a very big transition for us but rather to strategize as to what to do for our clients. Some of our clients are actually going to see an uptick. I have a lot of family law attorneys. And while there's the punchline, oh, you know, spouses trapped together. It isn't just that there are people who are mid-dissolution of marriage or there was a custody and guardianship, especially with everybody being shelter in place. So there's a punchline but can also come across insensitive. So talking to my family law attorneys, how do we make them more visible and more available for people who are going through custody and guardianship issues without it coming across as profiteering? So, you know, there's a bit of a balancing act. So there was a lot of messaging adjustments that needed to happen. And then there were just some of our accounts as well that just needed to put things on pause because the nature of their business is very front facing. And there's a lot of physical contact, which obviously, is not the direction that we want them to go in right now. It's a lot of pivoting. So the second company we have is called True North. And we have courses, online courses, essentially. And the main one that was my focus right now was called Get More Clients You Love. And it comes with a group coaching component. So in addition to the group that follows me that are not necessarily students, they're just a part of a Facebook group. And then there's others who are actual students of mine. And everything from getting phone calls from them crying to others saying, how do I pivot? What do I do? Should I really be selective about the clients I take right now? What should I do? And so it's kind of flown in the face of my theory around working with clients that are only a good fit to help you scale your business. There are lots of people that are kind of scared and taking on clients at any cost at this point. So there's been a lot of pivoting there too, and also just a lot of discussion around, okay, well... What does that look like? Because the conversations have changed. The framework has changed. What scaling looks like has changed. And also, our roles as business owners. What do we do for our community? And not just from a PR standpoint, but what is our role as leaders in the community? How do we contribute to not just those who are our clients, but just other business owners? And how do we support the schools? How do we support our community? And do we have the bandwidth to do that? Because sometimes when something like this happens, something that's catastrophic as this, there's an energetic drop. Everybody just kind of hole up and it's understandable why they would feel that way. And now holding up is actually encouraged because going out and getting your hands dirty is exactly the opposite of what we should be doing.
0: Right.
1: It's one thing to lead with a degree of uncertainty. This is a framework of uncertainty that I don't think any of us in our lifetime has ever dealt with. So mm-hmm. it's one thing to say, well, I hope, we'll get new clients or we weren't expecting, you know, the business to burn down. You know, that's tremendous uncertainty, but this is, you're kind of walled off in every direction. And so is everybody else really sorting through that puzzle is a bit more of a trick. And there's a responsibility to those who look to you for leadership. And sometimes I think that the benefit is being honest and saying, listen, I'm going to pool my resources because I don't have an answer yet. I know an answer exists, but I don't Have one. So I'm going to rely on the team and pull from them as well. I'm not the only one that comes to the table with talent.
0: So, this is why we're having these conversations because we don't know all the answers as leaders, but collectively we can move in a direction that's positive. So, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with me.
1: I'm happy to do it. I like talking to you too. I think that it's important for people to have conversations because we gain wisdom and knowledge and fresh perspectives from one another because it is hard to know what direction to go in. And just to echo what you were saying, you know, my husband and I, who's also my business partner, we were talking about the pause and pivot. Because Ooh. even things like the SBA and the PPP loans and all these different things, the banks don't even know what to do with stuff like that. And that's because they're trying to catch up as quickly as possible. The schools are doing their level best to transition from an in-person learning situation to an e-learning circumstance. And not every student has access to the internet. So there's a large pivot there. And I guess the unction to move quickly, to solve the problem, stop the bleeding, and to move quickly is an understandable one. But the truth is, is that this is not a sprint. This is gonna be a marathon. And it's really important to pause, to catch your breath, to take a glass of water, and then move forward. But to run as fast as you can, you're gonna run out of gas. And I Mm -hmm. found that very, very quickly. Even with my staff and my students and my sons. And what I was doing was reacting, not proacting. So there's a, okay, let's slow down and take a look and assess what are we actually going to need? And I think that's why people run and they buy all the toilet paper and stuff like that, because there's this scarcity, fearful, I need to protect my family. I need to make sure that we have what we need. When nobody said that you weren't going to have access to that stuff anymore, but everybody just made an assumption out of fear. It's an understandable one. I don't begrudge anybody. I don't judge anybody for feeling that way. But with the perspective now, like you, being on quarantine for three weeks and really indefinitely. I mean, we have dates on it, but it's really indefinite at this point. We don't know. And making the adjustment and not raising the bar too high. Like now I have to learn three new languages and write the great American novel. (laughs) You know, a lot of us are urgent to do that too. And there are some people who have that luxury and there are some who do not. Yeah, I think it's a good time to regroup and say, okay, in the event that it all does go away, what's next? You know, because what isn't going to go away is the indomitable human spirit. That's never going to go away. It might get beaten up a little bit, but it's never going to go away. It will resurge. It always does. So that's the fountain I'm trying to draw from.
0: I love speaking with leaders about these things because it helps me to reframe as well. And we need to, we need to connect with people. We need to physically being distant, but socially engaging. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's important to do.
1: It is. And I think that you bring up an excellent point, the distinction between physical distancing and social distancing. We're social creatures. We really don't fly solo. In fact, the ones who are alone often are the ones we worry about because it's just not normal in the human nature to be solitary for extended periods of time. And I do agree that we're in a lucky time in that we are in 2020. And for many of us, we still have the capability of being digitally connected, whether it's through a Zoom call, or social media, or just a phone call. Mm-hmm. The physical distancing is undetermined at this point. I'm, I'm interested to see what social changes happen When we do have the capability to reconnect physically, will handshaking still be a common practice? Will hugs still be a common practice? I'm interested to see what social changes will be instituted. I think it's really crucial to stay socially connected and inspired and learn new things from one another and adjust that way. I completely agree with you. Physical distancing is not the same thing as social distancing.
0: Right. And so what resources, quotes, or advice has helped you most during this crisis? So I have leveraged social media and YouTube quite a bit. I've been doing more
1: meditating. I was a meditator already, but I am finding that my mind and emotions are in overdrive, which was kind of the case anyway, but they were very much so overstimulated. So I feel that the key right now is to actually de-stimulate and to not watch the news or glean opinions from social media about the way things are being run or how they're being handled on a global scale simply because you'll find out if it's big. If it's, stay- it's shelter in place or if some kind of big piece of news, you're going to find out at some point. And I find that staying outside has been a source of inspiration. Moving my body has been a source of inspiration. Meditating has been a source of inspiration. But as strange as this is going to sound, I've not been looking to external resources for those things. I have found that this situation has forced me to look inward more than to seek answers outward. I feel like maybe that's part of what our problem was, is that we were seeking answers everywhere else. And sometimes the answers are already there. You just have to be quiet enough to hear them. Mm -hmm. So I have actually done the opposite. Normally people that I pay attention to are everything from Tony Robbins to Brene Brown. I mean, I'll listen to lots. Marie Forleo is another one. There are several people. Jen Chero is another. I'll read their books or I'll listen to podcasts. I really like Brian Koppelman, who's really more of a Hollywood person, but I have found that those have not been satiating. Mm -hmm. So I found that giving myself the space to feel what I'm feeling, giving my staff and my students and my, suns the space to feel what they're feeling and to draw inspiration from quiet and from meditation and from just allowing there to be room because there's just no room with everything that's happening i feel emotionally claustrophobic not just physically claustrophobic i feel information claustrophobic i'm searching for wisdom information i've got it's wisdom i'm looking for so that's why there's a lot of quiet
0: Hey, leaders, stay tuned for the rest of the interview following this brief message. Want to become the type of leader that others want to follow? Whether you just started your leadership journey or you've been at it for a while, the Master Leadership Journal will take you through this important process. Heck, it could even prepare you for an interview on this podcast. And for a limited time, you can get it for free with discount code CONNECT2020, no spaces, at checkout. So go to masterleadership.org forward slash MLJ and put in discount code CONNECT2020 at checkout and get instant access to the Master Leadership Journal. When you talked about not being judgmental, one of the things that's hard too is when you're in such closed quarters and someone else is off the rails, right? Not to react to that. I'm learning that. I'm learning this is impersonal not to react to it, Right. Um, but it's hard. These are the only people you're connecting with right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love that you're going inward because there is a lot to learn there. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's connected with wisdom. Do you feel like you're growing in that area?
1: I feel like more that I'm churning the soil for growth. Mm, I I still feel a little stunted and impatient. So I think that if you want to grow a garden, you need patience, <laughs> so uh that's for sure, and I'm really much more of a go to the grocery store and get your tomatoes kind of a girl like as, as a you girl. And I are similar
0: mm-hmm. yeah,
1: very much so like let's get it done. give me an answer, what's the story, Let's move on you know, and I have a tendency towards ready fire aim already, <laughs> so yeah. this is a little more ready aim ready rate ready aim, ready aim, and I need to kind of wait and fire less, and aim more. And I feel that the forced quiet is feeling less forced. So I guess that is growth in and of itself. It's not just the visible like little buds sprouting through just yet. I'm really more recalibrating. How is this going to change my perspective on things going Mm -hmm. forward? And what do I want out of these businesses that I have? And what impact do I want to have on the world around me? What impact is necessary? Not just what impact do I want, but what's needed. Mm-hmm. And there's an interesting marriage that has to happen there too. So I'm a talker. I'm a bit of an extrovert. Not that I don't have a rich internal life, but I've never nurtured it the way that I am now, I, mm-hmm. I would say.
0: Mm-hmm. And as you're talking, I'm thinking, man, we should have an after this whole thing interview mm-hmm. or just connect because I'm so curious to learn You know, what we've all learned. So Trish, when you think about leadership today, right? what most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about?
1: On a global scale, leadership is extremely concerning in that I don't feel led globally. I feel that there is leadership that is specific to people who fall in line mm-hmm. versus a global leadership, which is extremely concerning because as a leader of a much smaller group, Sometimes there's dissension. Sometimes people don't agree with you. Sometimes people don't think you're doing the best job. And that is their right to think, but you still lead them nonetheless. And that I think is significantly lacking. I also think that one of the most important qualities that a leader can have is humility and knowing what you don't know and relying on people who do know. And I feel like we're lacking there as well. And seeking sage advice, even if it's an arena that you're familiar with. You, without question, will not always have every perspective available. So even if it's an area where you're completely familiar and you are an expert, you can still source information from others and say, are you getting the same thing here? This is unprecedented. Are you seeing that this is the direction we should go in? And that doesn't necessarily mean the decision comes from other people. The decision still needs to come from you. Mm -hmm. But when you're dealing with uncharted waters, it might not be bad to ask a few other sailors what they've dealt with and what their perspective is. And I'm not seeing that at all. Mm -hmm. And I see a degree of what looks like the equivalent of leadership insider trading. And that is a significant concern as well in that you're very much looking things from a scarcity and a, finding blame as opposed to solving a problem and it's a significant problem that's going to have generational impacts and there are already families who are impacted by loss of life and not just loss of life from grandma who was in her 90s and a lot of people usually die by 90 or earlier than that there are people who've lost parents and lost principals and lost teachers you know men and women who are in their 20s 30s and 40s and 50s and these are young too young to lose people right And I feel that current leadership is really looking to seek blame. And this is just natural carnage and numbers, not names. And that concerns me significantly. So to answer the other part of your question, which is what am I hopeful for? I'm hopeful to see some emergence of true leadership. The best part about the darkness is that even the littlest light becomes pretty bright. So when things start to get really, really dark, you can start to see just the little pangs of hope, and you can see strength, and it becomes magnified because things are so dark. You know, in football, if you have a really bad team, if your team is awful, you get like the first draft pick. I'm kind of hoping that life happens that way, that (laughs) if it gets really, really, really bad, that at least the next go round, we can pick some winners and things will go in a good direction. That's what I'm hopeful. Mm -hmm. I don't even mean specifically like political elections or anything like that. I'm just hoping some leaders emerge and show themselves and people remember that they can be inspired and that they can be led, or maybe that they are leaders themselves and that it's time to step up because Mm -hmm. there's nobody stepping up the way that they should. So Mm -hmm. I'm very hopeful. I'm also interested to see what younger generations are going to glean from this. You know, we see a lot of the kids who were on spring break and they're like, yeah, man, you know, whatever the Corona and they're drunk and they're being ridiculous and they're young and they don't have the perspective, but that's not an accurate representation of all kids in that generation. That's right. And there are some who are stepping up and there are some who will lead their lives, including my kids, knowing that this could happen. And that perspective, much like kids who grew up in the depression, many of whom are not with us anymore. Had a very different perspective on how to manage money and how to be frugal and how to take care of yourself and sew your own clothes and grow your own food. Who knows and those, how to lead and how, to, how lead. to lead and how to lead from the pack, not from a head, from a place of lofty privilege, but rather from within the group themselves and saying, "These people need leadership.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe
1: I should step up and do it." Yes. So I'm hopeful for that perspective in generations to come.
0: Wonderful. Now, as a listener of this podcast. What are some questions that you would like future leadership guests to respond to?
1: So, my questions would be around the panic that I felt. Like, how are you mitigating panic when you are already in a leadership role and you're called upon to lead through a situation that you've never dealt with before, much like this one? Where are you drawing your wisdom from? Because for probably three or four days, I really didn't know how to answer, how to respond. Everything I said felt tone deaf. My reaction felt unbridled. And I did not feel like a strong leader. I felt like, you know, once my leadership was tested, I folded like a bad hand of cards or like a cheap suit. Now, of course I did rally eventually, but I would have expected to handle that or mitigate that better than I had. So the question I would have for them would be, do you have a disaster plan prepared? Did you know this was coming? Were you prepared for something like this coming? And when it did happen, was your response similar to mine? Or did you respond very quickly and much like first responders when there's a fire and you're throw your jacket on and you're on the truck and away you go? I'll be honest and say I was almost embarrassed by how flat I got. Mm-hmm. And I realized, yeah, it was my parents. And it really did look like several of our clients, because many of them reached out right away, And it looked like all of them were going to go away. So I'm like, okay, so I'll have no income, can't get to my parents. They're both going to die. And I I was was having a hard time really functioning at a high level at all. And I'm just curious how, not how anybody else would have reacted, but how they did react Mm -hmm. when this hit for them, because I'm sure it hit everybody kind of squarely. Mm -hmm. I would love to know what they did or what they did differently.
0: You know, I love your authenticity Um, and that's what we need. That's exactly what we need Mm -hmm. because a lot of us don't know how to mitigate this, except I had a guest. Her name is Melissa Agnes and she wrote a book, Crisis Ready. I would love to have her on here because she's the type of person who thinks of the worst case scenario right. and gets everybody ready for that. So it would right. be interesting to pick her book. I, I
1: might need to read her book because I'm the exact opposite. I'm like, everything will be just fine. We'll all work out. I'm very much the Pollyanna when it comes to that. I'm much more of an optimist with realistic tendencies. Now, I'm definitely not
0: a realist or a yeah. Yes. So, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: I guess just to take care of one another continued to reach out because really, even when you're in business, ultimately we're all in the business of human connection. Even if it's data entry that you're doing, that information is data typically about people or behaviors, it's all connected. And it's much like doing yoga. Even if you're doing yoga for the back for stress, it's all still just yoga. It's all still connected. Mm-hmm. And I feel that way with regards to human connection. And The other thing I would say, and I'm really trying to engage in this practice, and you touched on a little bit a moment ago, Lily, which is to give everybody a wide berth. My neighbor did something I did not agree with. She had a food truck come to our neighborhood. And the family that she knew were sucking wind. They are having serious financial situations. They own a restaurant. So while I felt like her heart was in the right place, I also felt like the idea of a food truck really didn't look like social distancing. And she tried to mitigate it. It was hugely divisive in our neighborhood. And while I think that her heart was in the right place, I had concerns about the execution of doing that, especially having so many family members on the front lines and just how crazy things are in New York and New Jersey for that matter. I think a lot of those questions, splitting those hairs are very hard. You know, is it the right thing to do? Right? It can feel a little relative right now. Mm -hmm. And while I had some neighbors who were very willing to kill her and other people who were ready to kill on her behalf, I was like, you know what? She's doing what her own moral compass is telling her to Mm do. We're not going to participate, but I'm not going to beat her up for it either. Mm -hmm. And I think that giving one another a wide berth and giving one another the opportunity to kind of figure this out too, because the information does change so quickly. It literally feels like by the hour. And some of those changes and some of that information can impact your life. And it's one hour, it feels like this. And the next hour, it's completely Mm -hmm. changing everything. So be gentle with your kids. They went from, you know, seeing their buddies and, you know, getting whatever candy treats for getting all their spelling words right to working everything online, doing everything online. I mean, imagine taking five courses online right now. And a lot of kids are doing exactly that. Or my teenager, you know, is going to go to a dance with the girl for the first time. You know, there's things like that, that they're missing, these rites of passage things graduations are going to get furloughed. There's not going to be a graduation, no cap and gown, none of that stuff, no proms. And then there are weddings that are getting canceled and there are funerals, people can't put their mother to rest. So in the most extreme cases, and even the smallest cases, people are worried about money. They're worried about their future. They're worried about their families, worried about themselves. So that manifests differently. So I guess to your listeners, I would say just give one another a wide berth. It's hard for everybody. And compassion is our number one currency right now.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. It's a quote. I'm <laughs> going to write that down. <laughs> <Trish>. <laughs> Compassion is our number one currency. Did you just come up with that? Yeah. I love it. I have several
1: um, girlfriends that feel like that's my, like, I guess my little superpower. They follow me around. They're like, I got another Trish quote, you know, and it's no, just something that no. it's, uh, yeah, one of my strengths, I guess.
0: That's awesome. Now, speaking of connection, where can our listeners connect with you?
1: I love my Instagram account. My Twitter is a bit more political, so how I feel politically is more obvious on Twitter, whereas on Instagram, I try to keep it light and airy. So that's Dish with Trish, and that's D-I-S-H-W-I-T-R-I-S-H. So it's like Dish with Trish, but the word with isn't spelled all the way out. So it's Dish, D-I-S-H-W-I-T-R-I-S-H. It's also my Twitter handle, and GetMoreClientsYouLove.com, which again, I love that site, and I love the idea behind it, but I don't know what solicitation feels like right now. It feels a little weird on my get more clients. You love discussion group on Facebook. I do have a free course. I did a workshop called create an online course. People are taking all kinds of online courses right now. Right. So everything from whether or not you're a beekeeper to uh, whether or not you want to teach people how to use Excel, there's no pitch at the end of it. It is a completely free workshop. It's really just my way of giving back. Because I know how to create a course, so I taught people how to do it in a workshop. So it's recorded, it's free download, no big there. So
0: let me just take that. Thank yeah, you, you should.
1: <laughs> Everybody should. Uh, and you can ask me questions. So oh, um, fantastic. Yeah, it's just I knew how to do it, so it was something I put together over a weekend.
0: I get to ask you more questions. Yes, that's right. Ask Yay. away. Trish, thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. Mwah! Oh, Thank you for
1: having me. We have to stay socially
0: connected, if not yes. physically. Yes. All right. Have a great day. You too. Take care, Lily. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello, leaders. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.